0: What is up, everybody? Sean Sheehan back here with another edition of the Sheehan Show for SureDog.com. And it's a massive card coming up this weekend at UFC 270. It's Francis Ngannou defends his UFC heavyweight title against his former teammate Cyril Gagne. Uh, out in California, we have the um main event with the flyweight title. Uh, so we're we're going from uh, large to little, I suppose, in this one with Davidson Figueiredo taking on uh, the champion Brandon Moreno for the third time uh, in a fight I suppose a lot of people didn't expect to get. Um, some people didn't want it, um, but I do think it will be a fun fight and I'm looking forward to kind of breaking it down here as well. Now... I'm going to talk about those two fights and kind of concentrate on those. I'm sure the lads will have big previews out on, on the rest of the card as well. There's some fights I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to uh, Vieira versus Thurman. I'm really looking forward to Nurmagomedov, uh Nurmagomedov uh, fighting in the UFC again. Tony Gravely, I'm a big fan of his, I think he's a very good fighter coming through, I know he lost there recently, but there's a, I think he has a big upside, I'm looking forward to seeing his future, same goes for someone like Honey Solas as well, Elia Deporia, Miguel Pereira, he's one of my favourite fighters to watch in the world, I hope he comes out and he's the excited Miguel Pereira that we all uh, know and love, but you know, Tapuri again, I mentioned him quickly there, but him versus Charles Jardin, obviously he was supposed to fight uh who's he supposed to fight? If wasn't it? Yeah, and in, in this one. And that's um that's a, that could have been a fight of the year contender. Unfortunately, that one isn't happening, but it's good to to still see him uh, on this card, and it's good to still um you know, to still have an exciting prospect like that who could be you know one of your maybe maybe not a star but one of your next really big fighters coming through in the UFC on a big card like this so i think that makes a lot of sense uh, for the UFC brass and for uh you know for the, for the promotion itself making uh, <laughs> trying to make money going forward so um yeah i think he will be uh i think he'll get the win there and i think it'll be stand up or well, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that on the betting show so let's talk about the uh the two big fights here uh in the in the co and in the main event now i think the first thing to talk about uh, with these fights is something i kind of talked about here and on my other podcast as well over the last while is, and especially in the in the coming event, is the matchmaking. And because, look, obviously the first fight was a draw between Figueiredo and Moreno. Moreno has had, you know, the, the career he's had and to get to where he's, I suppose he's got the, the draw and then the win for him, obviously. Figueiredo... Figueroa, a little bit, reminds me of Amanda Nunes, where everyone kind of knows they have the talent, although maybe me a little bit later than other people, and people give out to me, because I wasn't I wasn't maybe as salt in him as others, but I think a lot of people could see him coming through, how good he was going to be. Then he was just devastating everyone, like knocking Joseph Benavidez out and submitting him about four times in, the, in a minute in the same fight. Just looked devastating. And then he kind of has a bit of a downfall immediately. And now... Whoa. What's that got to do? And we'll get to what it's got to do with the second. But the matchmaker for that is like, after that second fight, I felt like a lot of people thought it was time for Figueredo to either move to 135, which I think a lot of people agree with, and that was my kind of position on it. He'd be better off at 135, there's some very fun fights there, even someone like Cody Garbrandt, I think would be a fun fight, or uh, Jose Aldo, or Frankie Edgar, maybe at the time, maybe not now, but there's a lot of fun fights for him there, and then, you know, one or two fights away from a title shot, of former champion, and the weight class below, he's not going to be too far away, or else, find a way of maybe getting more healthily down to 125 and doing it that way and get a a fight or two to prove you can do that rather than going right into a five round fight where it's going to be very very tough as well now that didn't happen and this was kind of made and i think a lot of people were like oh is is that the fight to be made is that we weren't and it's more like it's not that we didn't want to see the fight it's just like we kind of maybe weren't expecting it. We're like, well, okay, yeah, that one's me. all right, yeah. But uh, it's it's one you really, really would have passed over in your mind if that makes a little bit of sense. And then maybe that's unfair on Figueredo, considering you know he drew the first fight was a draw, and in my opinion, he won that fight, and it was it wasn't the greatest decision. I Actually, in whichever year it was, and I think it was 2019, 2020. It was one of the worst decisions that year, in my opinion. When I was getting to the awards at the end of the year. Um, so absolutely he deserves this spot in in certain ways but I, I just think because of the the weight issues because of the way he fought due to those weight issues I think a lot and due to Brandon Moreno as well don't get me wrong in the last fight I think it was just time to maybe move on from this fight for a while but it wasn't and in the main event with the matchmaking in this it's it's one that's obviously been talked about over and over and over uh, Cyril Ganes coming into this we'd almost forget it as the interim champion after they made um, that interim belt, not too long after Francis won his belt, when he was basically saying, Right, I need like another few weeks out to prepare whatever he wants to do, and they decided to make the interim belt. There was obviously the big talk of John Jones versus Francis, or maybe even John Jones versus Stieba before that, or you know, whatever it might be, and they kind of bypassed that because they didn't want to pay. John Jones, and now we have Ganya coming in here with his interim So it's the melding of kind of mad matchmaking for Francis not giving him Jones, and then for Kanye giving him the title shot. Obviously against who did he fight for? Was it Derek? I don't know who he fight. I have a terrible remember. Um, <laughs> it was Derek Lewis, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, that that kind of it. it look, it shows what the UFC is today. And I actually, have uh, a podcast coming up for over in my other place over in Severe Med this week, talking about kind of matchmaking and talking about the weird way UFC does it these days, it's like, you know, if anyone follows the Premier League, it's like Premier League managers here, if you get sacked from one job, when in the next, you know, the next guy to get sacked, you'll probably take his job and he'll probably take your job and it's, you know, you're, it's just a merry-go-round, whereas like, I feel like, in, it's, in the UFC it's the same thing, Justin Gaethje loses the title fight, wins one fight, he's back in, he loses another fight, he wins one fight and be back in, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, all these different divisions it just feels like it's it's a merry-go-round of like we have an idea for who's getting a title shot let's stick with I, that idea for like three years in a row and let's not give like the new guys coming through uh the uh, <laughs> the the shot and i think that's a big big issue and that's obviously a very different point from this card so i will digress on that one but i do think the ufc matchmaking has got significantly worse over the years especially since joe silva went but uh, i will i will digress on that one um to talk about a little bit about the co-main event uh, first, and then I'll, I'll give a bigger breakdown, I think, of the main event, although maybe in a, in, in a more agricultural way, <laughs> way, maybe. This co-main event, look, I, I don't want to be dis- disrespectful to Brandon Moreno. Look, we know how good he is. He's good striking, good boxing. He submitted, um, figure out on the last fight. He's very good on the ground. He's a well-rounded fighter, a very, very good top-level fighter. Like, if you were to ask a lot of people before he won the title, a lot of people probably would have said, look, he's a good top 10 to top 5 fighter in in the UFC's 125 pound division. Will he ever be the champion? You know, maybe not. Could he fight for it a couple of times? Yeah, I think a lot of people probably would have have said that. But I think he has risen to the occasion, especially in the second fight, and he's proved himself a really, really good fighter. Now, he's always a very good fighter, don't get me wrong, but I think we need to give him, like, an extra little bit of respect. Having Having said that, I might sound a little bit disrespectful here, but I think... I think this fight will, in a large way, boil down to what Davidson Figueiredo turns up here. Um... I think if we get the best Davidson Figueiredo, if we get Davidson Figueiredo, who's working with the best nutritionist in the world, who gets down to 125 pounds and is, you know, going up, that's 125 championship weight. <laughs> kind of a job, you know, like that. Look at, looking healthy and looking cocky at that weight. And he goes in looking like that in the first or second round. I think he'll get the finish and I think he'll win early. I honestly do. I I think he's that good. I think he's that good of a fighter. Um, and that, Look, I think a large, large, large portion of that has to do with the weight cut. But I think it's also to do with the mentality. Like he's no longer the champion. Will he still have, like, the champion mindset? Uh, you know the champion mindset in a negative way now here of like I'm the best in the world I'm just going to get my title back you know we've seen that as a massive downfall for fighters before as the champions not so much from guys who've lost the belt and come back but it's it's tough to do that sometimes as well like look at Luke Rockhold against Michael Bisbee and he thought he was I always describe it as he thought he was going into the post office to pick up a package and just all he had to do was take his belt and that was it and go home well it didn't work out so well um and you know, if Davidson Figueiredo comes in here and thinks it's going to be easy, it might be. You know, it might be easy. It might knock him out in 90 seconds. But what if it's not? What if he takes those two or three shots? What if he takes those two or three rounds, comes through it, and Brandon Moreno is still standing there and he decides to take over? It's a very, very different situation then. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that goes and seeing what the div- Figueiredo shows up. Really, it's, this is a, look, it's a fight you could... Um, you could break down and you could talk about it in depth. And I'm sure some of the better analysts than me, than me will, will do that and talk about it from different stylistic points of views. But look, Figueroa to me, if he, if he shows up, at, as I said, at his very best, I think like those power shots that he throws the confidence in, his shots, those uppercuts when he comes inside, throwing shots from the hip with big power. And he seems to be able to take a good shot as well, at least early. Um, He's a finisher. When he has you hurt, he will jump down on a rear naked choke or a guillotine or whatever it might be and just devastate you on the ground. Like, his, his nickname should be devastating Davidson Figueiredo. Like, oh, how is, his, how is that not his nickname? You know, that's what it should be. He's just brilliant in in that area. You know, he's just a brilliant, brilliant fighter. And if 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 he's that same fighter, I think Moreno... Look, is a very good, as I mentioned earlier on, a very good technical, tactical fighter. But when someone... When someone's special, like Figueiredo's a special fighter. There was people talking about him against Mighty Mouse and all that. Now, Devinson Figueredo, at his best, is like one of the only people ever in that division who I would even think about matching with Mighty Mouse at his best like I even like I know Sahuda beat Mighty Mouse but Mighty Mouse was coming off of a shoulder injury and different things and I don't think he actually even won that decision but I, I think Sahuda at his best doesn't touch Mighty Mouse I think Moreno at his best doesn't touch Mighty Mouse or any of them at their best don't touch him Figueiredo? Maybe and that's how much I think of him that's how good of a fighter I think he is but it's a lot you know we talked about it with Nunes. We talked about it with McGregor. We talked about it with, with many, many others. W- like, was it get, being the champion? Was it you know taking your your head off a swivel? Was it taking your you know your eyes off the prize, or was it the weight cut? You know, okay. It, let's say it was both of those things. Next question is, can you fix that? Can you fix the mental point of view? That's going to be tough. Very, very tough. Can you fix the weight cutting? That's going to be very, very tough as well. If the answer is no to either of those questions, he'll probably lose. If it's yes to both of them, he'll probably win. So we, we will see coming up. And, you know, we probably won't even know until afterwards or might never know what the answer to those questions is. But, look, those are the questions I suppose we all have to ask ourselves uh, as we uh, as, as we talk about, uh, talk about mixed martial arts and this wonderful sport. Um, but the main event... Is a look, it's a very, very, very interesting one. And I, I described earlier on I think it as maybe a, a more agricultural breakdown of this fight. And that look, that's exactly what it's gonna be, I think, from my point of view. Francis Ngannou, if, if you were to describe him, if, if someone started watching uh, MMA a few years ago, I had dipped out of it and go, Alright, who's the heavyweight champion? Describe what he's like. What well what would you say? Well, it's this physical phenomenal freak who is unapologetically unafraid, who throws massive big shots and is not scared in any way of getting hit or hurt or taken down when he throws those shots. And he will catch you, even if it's only half a shot, and he will knock you out. Now, that... Uh, yeah, there you go. That would describe Francis up until a point. Now, I think he's adjusted a little bit, especially that last steepa fight. He was a little less agricultural, a, a little bit of a jab on him more than he had before. He was thinking about his shots. He was picking his shots a little bit better. His takedown defense was certainly a lot better in that fight uh, as well as we saw. So he still has the pop. He still has the, uh, you know, the unnerving... The uh, power and the uh, you know the the unwillingness uh, not to throw it if that if that makes sense with my double negative there he will just throw all the time and he will try to land those big shots whenever he gets half a chance even and you like the thing about Francis you we will get to Ganya in a second and we'll get to whether he will do this or not but the thing about Francis I is if you give him half a chance you're probably already lost like and you have a decision to make what you do with him. In that position, like if you're let's say Stipe, everyone saw the first fight where Stipe took him down. You're talking about the second fight, should you go in and take him down again? But well, if you do, what about that big uppercut that's coming in? Or what about maybe a little bit of a knee? What about his take down defense if he stops you once and he throws those elbows inside? Or what if you land a big shot and then he hits you with an even bigger one, as <laughs> happened to Stipe? There's just so much danger. With Francis Ingano, the o- almost the only thing to be, um, uh, you know, not dangerous against for safe is the word there. You go safe, uh, against Francis is just to stay away from him, you know. And I believe it's the big octagon here on Saturday night, they're no longer in the UFC Apex, so I think it will be the big octagon that will be a huge service to Cyril Gagne. So, we, we've talked about Francis, we kind of know what Francis is um you know a, a, a guy who will throw all the shots in the world to try to knock you out a little bit more refined in his last fight let's see if he's more refined in this fight but we've seen a guy now who can fight in a devastating finishing way but and in a more tech, tactical structural way while still being finishing uh, while still being devastatingly finishing at the end of it so you know not not just the power Sir Gagne he is the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, if you were, again, to talk to someone who hasn't watched him in a few years and tell me what Cyril Gagne is like, he he is the, I suppose, the apex of heavyweight tacticians and technicians. that That's exactly how I'd probably describe him. Like, we have probably the greatest athlete we've ever seen in the heavyweight division in Francis Ngannou, know, no, maybe... You know, maybe Brock Lesnar would argue with that a little bit, or maybe maybe there's there's a couple more. I'm I'm forgetting. You know, Randy Couture in terms of what he's done, maybe he could argue with it or others as well. But I think as a physical athlete, I think it's either Francis or Brock. Uh, maybe someone else comes to mind. You know, Mark Coleman or Kevin Randleman or lads back in the day. No disrespect to any of uh, any of those lads, but I uh, look, he's in he's in that discussion for. You know, he mightn't be the best, but he's top one. I think is was it Brian Clough family said or something like that to paraphrase him anyway. Um. But he's up there. And then on the other side, if you were to say, who is the greatest technician in the history of the UFC uh, or the MMA's heavyweight division? Okay, but people probably give out to me as well. Is it Fedor? Is it, you know, is it Junior Dos Santos? Is it Kane in certain ways? I I think they all look have arguments, but I think Fra- I think Cyril is it. You know, I don't think there is anyone there with Cyril and Steep as well, obviously should be in, in that discussion. But I think, look, Stipe might be the close second there, but I think Cyril is it with Francis on the other side of it. So we have those two meetings of two of the best ever to do it in their way of fighting, no meaning each other. But to get into Ganya a little bit more, and we'll talk about the meeting again uh, once I've that done, like I think what he's great at is being a risk-averse fighter in the heavyweight division, like none we've ever seen before. Like if you look at Dominic Cruz at Bantamweight, he was almost a risk-averse fighter out if you if you leave maybe wrestlers aside, okay? In maybe the first one in the sport or the first one to do it in in such a technical kind of intelligent way in the sport now the 135 pounds is obviously a, little, a lot harder and a, a lot different because you're going to have to uh, move your head a lot more considering there's probably a lot more shots coming at you a lot faster from uh, guys who can catch you maybe a little bit more whereas in the heavyweight division you're fighting guys who aren't throwing as much and who are maybe uh, maybe not as <laughs> you know, not as quick as as the likes of uh, maybe a Dificit Figueredo coming up or, uh, or a Mighty Mouse or a Joseph Benavides at that time fighting uh, at 135 pounds against Dominic Cruz. So in certain ways it's easier for Seattle Gagne to do that in the heavyweight division but why have we never really seen anyone do that in the heavyweight division before well the reason for that is we've never had an athlete like Seattle Gagne in the heavyweight division before who can do the things he does and moves the way he does, move the way he moves he moves like I I, I don't know what weight class to say I would say lightweight maybe 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 a, a welterweight, maybe even a middleweight. I wouldn't I wouldn't slag him. by calling him a middleweight. I think he's better than that. But he moves like someone way way smaller than than what he is. He moves like a heavyweight we've never seen before, and he does it. You know, we've seen look Francis Ngannou can move really really well, and he does it in a fashion we've seen other heavyweights try to fight before. I don't think we've ever seen one try to fight as technically beautifully. As Cyril Gagne does with his lovely jabs and he kicks from the outside and he's one-twos inside and he's circling and he's, you know, throwing shots from a far distance. Winning fights, you know, on points over five rounds by tactically beating someone. That's something, look, we've seen John Jones doing that one... Or at a 205, or we've seen, you know, Usman doing a little bit, and we've seen Woodley do it, and we've seen Max Holloway do it, and Jose Aldo do it, and, you know, Valentina Shevchenko do it, and other people, but we've not really seen it at heavyweight in this sort of manner. And now we have with Cyril Gagne and he's done it so well and he's absolutely brilliant at it. He picks guys off without getting hit in the division where if you do get hit, you're in big, big, big trouble. So that risk averse, I'll say it again, is exactly what Cyril Gagne is. I think a little um, blip of his career, I suppose, was finding the, um, the middle ground between being risk averse and being... Um, offensive verse as well, if you want to put it that way. But I think he solved that a little bit. I think he has, he's throwing more shots um, it, after a certain point and kind of lulling guys into the fight and the pace that he wants them to fight at. And then when they are in that pace, he will land his one or two shots, then lull them back into that pace. They're like waiting for the next few shots to come. They don't come until he wants to throw them. And then... It, over and over and over again in that certain uh, certain way. So, look, the question is: as we get to Francis versus Cyril, can Cyril do to Francis what he's done to everyone else, and can Francis do to Cyril what he has done to everyone else? That look, that's the question. I suppose we have in every fight, but this one, as I mentioned at the start, it's a very agricultural breakdown here. Will it be the big knockout? Will it be the five-round victory for Gagne? That, that is the question. That is the reason we'll all tune in next Saturday night. And God forbid the poor people over in America will have to pay their $69 or whatever it is. Thankfully, we get it, I was going to say free here. It's not really free. We have to pay our BT Sports uh, subscription. But we, we'll be able to, uh, that, that's the reason we're all tuning in. You know, whether you pay that money or whether you're, whether you're watching it, you know, f- flying to uh, to the UK to watch it or however you're watching it. That's the reason we're, we're tuning in. To see whose game plan, whose ability will supersede the other person. And that's, look, that's what we tuned in back in 1993 for, wasn't it? To see UFC 1, to see whether jiu-jitsu could win or whether uh, uh, boxing can win or karate or whatever it might be. Okay, it's a lot different and a lot more nuanced and a lot better now. But we're still tuning in to see whose style can beat who else's style, and uh, that's the sort of thing that gets me excited. Because I don't know, I don't know. Like, I'll give you my pick on uh, you know my my pick is Cyril Gagne. I think Cyril Gagne will win. I believe in him. I believe in his style. I believe in technique. I believe in tactics, and I think he'll win. But I don't know. I I, like it could go 15 seconds, and Francis Ngannou could uh, land one shot, and Shani's prediction is (laughs) is down the drain, and no, you know what matter? That could happen. But I think if we do see that 25-minute um, Seattle Gagne tactical masterclass, it will be one of the most insane things we've ever seen uh, in, in the UFC arena, MMA. And maybe it won't be appreciated for that by the crowd there or on the night. But I think it will be, uh, it will be insane if it happens. Now, a, a, another big thing, and the last thing I will leave it at here, for both guys, what are we going to see a little bit different? Like, <clears throat> Could we see a little bit more attacking from Cyril? Could we see him trying to get the finish over Francis and believing in his defensive ability and his speed and his head movement to get away from the fights or Fran- uh, the, sh- the shots of Francis? That would probably be a little bit foolhardy, you know. Maybe will Cyril throw a little bit of takedown, uh, a little bit of a takedown game just to keep Francis guessing? Now, maybe and even if not to keep him guessing, to get a few takedowns, I think it'll be really, really good for Cyril. What can uh, Francis do? I think he's going to kick the leg a lot. That would be my prediction for this. I think he'll try to uh, make Cyril pay for the long distance. And I think he will be trying to close that distance and kick... N- not closing distance, like just barging in all time. He will do that at times, absolutely. That is that is Francis know, But I think he will try to close that long distance and the long periods of long distance by throwing lots of leg kicks but what can he do maybe he can get a takedown maybe he can get in when Cyril's expecting him to explode high maybe he can explode low get the takedown and take him down or do something else change up the stances or, or or, wait on Cyril more don't chase Cyril make Cyril chase you that's going to be a tough thing to do as well I think for Francis but you know we'll see you on Saturday night as well I suppose and uh, yeah it's I'm really looking forward really really looking forward to these top two fights and some of the other ones underneath it as well. It should be uh, It should be absolutely uh, astounding and uh, and very, very fun. Right, I will leave it there. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, go over and visit chardog.com And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Sheehan BA. Thanks to my guy, John Brannigan, and all the team over at chardog.com as well for putting this video together. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I'll see you all next time.